Hello, I'm Gary Fogel. Welcome to another edition of Kentucky Sports Memories. Thanks for joining me and a belated Happy New Year. Hope your 2021 will be outstanding and uh, should be better than 2020 for a lot of us. Hopefully we'll get rid of this virus and get back to normal. Anyway, today we're talking high school basketball, in particular high school basketball championships here in Kentucky. And I want to mention, and many of you probably are well aware if you're old enough, you're around my age, which is late 50s, uh, many of you know that back in the 70s and earlier, there were many more high schools in the state of Kentucky than there are today. Because back then, a lot of uh, small communities had their own high school. You would see many counties with as many as five high schools, and the county wasn't that heavily populated because... As I said, a lot of little communities had their own high schools, but really took off in the late 60s and especially in the 70s when consolidation kicked in for a lot of these counties and many of the small schools went away and they were consolidated into bigger schools and that happened uh, throughout the state. But I was looking through the Kentucky Boys Sweet 16 state tournaments and looking back at the champions and I found that the last school to win the state championship that no longer exists is from 1967. Erlington High School won the Boys' Sweet 16 in 67. From 68 on, every school that has won the Boys' Sweet 16 still exists today. They haven't been consolidated into other schools or closed or anything like that. 68 was Glasgow. It still exists. 69 was Louisville Central. It still exists. I'm not going to go through all the years. You can look it up yourself. But from 1968 to the present, every team that's won the boys' Sweet 16 still exists. So the last school to win it that doesn't exist anymore is Erlington High School back in 1967. Erlington finally closed in the mid-70s when it was consolidated with other schools. But in 67, it was state champs and a very small school. Erlington, by the way, is in Hopkins County in western Kentucky. It's just south of Madisonville. Madisonville is the town in Hopkins County you've probably heard of. But um, Erlington, small community, about 1,500 people, just south of Madisonville. Again, in 1967 is when they won the state championship and they knocked off Covington Catholic in that championship game in a thrilling game, very close finish, a great finish. I guess you consider it great if you were rooting for Erlington, not so much if you're rooting for Covington Catholic. But we're going to relive that championship season with them because, as I said, they're the last school to win the state championship that no longer exists. So let's take you back to 1967. The radio broadcast, which was provided by WFMW, which is out of Madisonville, their broadcast from 1967. Let's pick it up from Freedom Hall in Louisville. And now for state tournament basketball, we take you to Freedom Hall in Louisville. Tyler, along with Elmer Kelly, Bill Cox, and Bob Proctor from Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, 
where tonight the finals of the 1967 schoolboy championship will be played between the Arlington Yellow Jackets and the Covington Catholic Colonel. Both ball clubs have been out warming up. Down to our left, the Covington Catholic ball club directly in front of us, the Yellow Jackets from uh, Arlington. Well, the crowd's still pouring into Freedom Hall here in Louisville, Kentucky for the final ball game of this championship run, and it's been a great basketball tournament as far as the participation this year. We'll be around with some starting lineups and other information. Erlington had gotten to the finals by knocking off Russell in the first round, 76-72. Then they defeated Atherton in the quarterfinals, won that one handily, 85-64. Then in the semifinals on Saturday morning, a five-point win over Breathitt County, 69-64. That sent them on to the championship game Saturday night against Covington Catholic. Give you more details on that championship game as we go through the show, but first let's talk a little bit about it and a little bit about that season with some of the former players. Lonnie Burgett was on that team. He later went on into education and was the uh, superintendent for many years at Mayfield down in um, for the Mayfield schools. He's retired now, but back in 1967, he was a member of that Erlington team. So, Lonnie, you win the 1967 state championship. Did you know early in the year, did you know at the beginning of the season that you were going to be pretty good? Uh, yes, we did. We uh, had some players back from the year before, had some pretty good experience. I was a sophomore at the time. I was actually sixth man as a guard position. Uh, but we were undefeated all the way up to the LIT. And uh, Henry Bacon and his team beat us. If you remember him, he went ahead and played Louisville. Yeah, I remember we Henry won. Bacon. Yeah, we won, uh, I think it was 16 in a row and got beat on our 17th game. And then we came back and won 22 in a row. So we were 38-1 and one that year, and we had some really good players back. That's correct. So what was your teams like, or what were the Erlington teams like prior to that? Had you all been contenders? Had you been a good program? Yeah, actually, in the 60s, we, we went to the state tournament in 62 and won one game and got beat by Ashland at that time. And then in 66, we went and got beat the first game. But again, we went in 67. So a period of six years there, we won the regional tournament three times and won the state, of course, one time. And we were from a real small school. We only had like 200 kids, half of which were ladies, of course. So we had a real small group to pull from, but we uh, had an excellent coach who'd been there three or four years. Actually, in 65, he had a team that uh, won 26 straight and ended up 30 and 3 and got beat in the regional semifinals, the regional finals. So we had a really good run there from 62 through 67. So I assume when you got into the state tournament in 67, having been there the year before, you're pretty confident. We were. We were. Uh, I mentioned I was first guard substitute, and our best guard, I was just sitting there looking at Freedom Hall, about 14,000 people there, and I kind of thought, well, I'm glad I'm not out there because it's another dirt racket, you know, for a 15-year-old kid. And our best guard who I go in for sprained his ankle really, really bad the first play down the floor. So I was fortunate enough to play in that game and most of the other two games before the final. And he came back for the final and actually was the leading scorer with 20 points. And he was a fellow sophomore with me. So I assume you did okay, even though you were scared to death. 
Yeah, I got, as soon as I got on the floor, I did fine. I, I wasn't a big scorer or anything, but I had everyone on my team could score pretty well, especially one or a couple of kids, our center and our best forward. They, they would have kind of pulled us through all the way through, and it worked out pretty good. Burgett mentioned that he wasn't a big scorer compared to the guy he replaced in the lineup, but uh, he also mentioned they had other guys around them who could pick up the slack, and one of the people who did that was Jim Hicks, who went on to make the all-tournament team. He was a big scorer in the first three games of the tournament, not so much so in the championship, but he explains that it didn't matter. Other people could pick up his slack. I was pretty well wore out. And uh, I didn't do as do as well that game, but it didn't matter because uh, our, one of our guards had got hurt the first part of the first game, and he wasn't able to play until the last game. And when he did play, he came up and he was leading scores. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from another member of the team who also made the all tournament team his recollection about that championship game. And we're going to hear from a friend of his who became a friend because they played against one another in that championship. He was a member of the Covington Catholic team. And he and the player from Erlington we're going to hear from have been lifelong friends ever since that championship. We'll hear from both of them when we come back. But as we go to break, more from the WFMW radio broadcast out of Madisonville on that night that Erlington won the championship in 1967. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm back in a moment. On the side to George Schlomer. He lands the ball taken away from him. On the drive goes Justin Schott. He dribbles into the corner and checks off with it and hangs on. Looks behind him. He's got Greg Martin. A jumper by Greg is good. And the Jackets go into the lead for the first time, 10 to 8. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. 10 to 8, Erlington leads it. 19 seconds left in the first quarter. Primebark's second shot. It's up and falls out of there. No good. Rebound down to Justin Sharp. The Jackets have got it. Sharp across the pin second line, picks up speed, changes gears, goes in the corner, all the way up and under, backhand layup, good! 
Well to eight. The Jackets by four. The press has been slapped on. A steal almost inbound. Picked up in the backcourt by Noel. He's in trouble, and the buzzer ends the first quarter. That is the broadcast from WFMW Radio out of Madisonville, Kentucky, back in March 1967. State championship game for the boys' Sweet 16. Erlington out of Hopkins County taking on Covington Catholic. Erlington wins that game that night in a thrilling finish. And at the end of the first quarter, Erlington led it by four by a score of 12-8. to after falling behind 6-1 to one, began the game, maybe they had some nerves at the start of the game, a bit nervous. And you just heard Justin Sharp score for Erlington in the radio broadcast we played just there. And Justin Sharp was a senior on that 67 team for Erlington. He was a five-year starter, and he mentioned the fact that the year before they had gone to the Sweet 16 when he was a junior, but they lost in their first game, and maybe nerves were a part of that. And maybe that helped them coming back to play the next year. We did go to our, our junior year, and when we got up there, uh, we just wasn't ready. You know, mentally, you know, it's it's just like the country boys going to the city, you know. And so none of us had never been that far before and, and everything, but, uh, but it was a good experience for us. So I assume you were intimidated that first year when you went as a junior. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Being 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 up just being up there was intimidating. That's everybody's dream is to get to get to the Sweet Sixteen. But you walk into Freedom Hall, which is a huge arena. You're in Louisville, which is a much bigger city than where you're from, and I guess all that gets to you. Yes, yes, it does. So, obviously, in 67, it's like, well, we've been here before. We're used to this. We know what it's like, and had a lot more confidence that time around. Yes, sir. Of course, you know, we had, we had all of our starters back. You know, I, I only, only one we lost was Allen Morgan the year before, our, my, our junior year, Allen was a senior. So, we had all of our kids, you know, I call them kids now, when you're 70-something years old, they're all kids now. Yeah. But, you know, we had everybody coming back, and. And so, you know, we felt real good about, about our chances. No, we really wasn't nervous at all, you know, because we, uh, that season, we went 38 and 1 that, that year. And we got invited to the LIT, that's the Little Invitational Tournament at midseason. Right. And we got beat by mail by four points. And so I told the guys when we got back home, I said, look, we should have beat them. We just had a couple of breaks at the end. I said, you know, we we can play with these people. We just got to be able to get back up here to to have a chance to do it. So I said, well, all we need to do is take care of business and get back up here and and then go from there. What was the feeling like when you won a championship? Yeah, it's hard to put into words. You know, it's it's like you can't believe that you just did it, and it's it's a feeling that that you've never had before. You know, it's just it's just an, a big accomplishment. But not only that, but not only as an individual, but as for a team. You know, I tell people we were a team. There was 12 of us, and, and it took all 12 of us to get there. Like I say, in Kentucky, it, it's basketball is, is, is what it's all about. You know, and especially in high school, in high school, your your dream is to go to the Sweet 16, 
And if you're lucky enough or have the brakes to win it, that was even icing on the cake. But here, here's something, too. But, th- but we played Covington Catholic in the finals. And today, I'm friends with three of the guys that I played against. And we have the best conversation. We talk, we visit. And uh, one of them was Joe Fritz, who guarded me. And, and he, we, we became real good friends. And Jim Cooper was the other guard. And uh, we just, you know, they don't like bringing it up. <laughs> oh, but I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I respect them. <laughs> well, you but always they, get the last word then. Well, I, but I really, I really, because they, 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 and they're proud for me. You know, when, when matter of fact, uh, Joe Fritz, when we went uh, up there three years ago, he, he came specifically to see me during that time. All right, a couple of things about uh, Justin Sharp. First of all, I mentioned that he was a five-year starter for Erlington, and that was his senior year, that 1967 championship year. He was one of the big scorers for Erlington. He had 16 points in the championship game, made the all-tournament team. After that, he went on to play college basketball at Louisiana Tech down in Ruston, Louisiana, where he still lives today and ended up coaching down there for 16 years in high school ball, won two state championships. So he has stayed very active in the basketball community and, as I say, retired now, still living in Ruston, Louisiana, where he went to play college ball. He mentioned he became friends with three of the guys off that Covington Catholic team, so I thought I would reach out to one of them, Jim Cooper on that Covington Catholic team, he was one of their stars, and I asked him about his friendship with Justin Sharp and about that championship game in 1967. I think it's interesting that you and Justin have stayed in touch over these years. Well, it's been more or less a Facebook thing. Uh, Justin and I and Joe Fritz, we talked to each other pretty much. I wasn't a sore loser about it. <laughs> but I'm guessing you're still not over it. Nah, well, you know, you have to be. That's that was 1967. But I, I don't dwell on the negative. I played for a team that won a region five straight years, and I was a starting point guard for the first two years. So, so quite the success Cooper experienced with Covington Catholic in his high school career. But that championship game in 1967. They did lose by one point. They lost on a last-second shot that was a putback of a miss. And we'll get into more details on that in the upcoming segment with the players from Erlington. But for now, I did talk to Jim Cooper about that finish and how tough that must have been for him and his teammates. I had nightmares for eight or nine years. I really did. You truly would have dreams about that game? Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. No doubt about it. And so it just finally went away after almost a decade? Yeah, it it took that long, you know. And then you rationalize about it and um, think about, you know, I don't know how many teams were in the state, but we we come in second. You know, I, I had to be positive about it. And I still remember, I don't know if Justin remembers this, we, uh, we played Louisville Central Saturday morning, <clears throat> and um, they beat Jim McDaniels in Allen County 
uh, on Friday night, and I remember them interviewing McDaniels on the radio and asked him who he thought would win now that the them being the favorites got knocked out. He said Central will breeze, and we beat them by 12 the next morning. That's uh, something I'll never forget. But, you know, it didn't turn out. Jim Cooper, one of the star players for Covington Catholic, who remained friends with Justin Sharp of Erlington ever since that tournament was played back in 1967. And Cooper obviously disappointed, having, having nightmares for nearly a decade about that game. It's amazing how one game can affect you, but of course it being the state championship, I guess I get it. But uh, also looking at the positives of how well they did that season and how far they were able to make it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more details about that last-second one-point win for Erlington. And um, we'll also hear from the players talking about that moment and a player you've not yet heard from, the guy who hit the winning shot. And as we head to break, more from that broadcast from WFMW Radio out of Madisonville, Kentucky. On the night, Erlington won that championship back in March 1967. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. Tossing tippets to the Jackets to the left side. Here is Justin Sharp. Double fake. Sharp fires. Got it. Second field basket for Justin Sharp. It's 14 to 10. The press is slapped on. They get it inside the knoll. Almost uh, taken away. They got him in the backcourt again. And the ball is booted. Recovered by Greg Martin. Martin down to the top of the keyhole. Dribbles his way. Fires a little soft shot that's no good. Rebound to level. And his shot is smacked out of bounds by Randy Nall. A beautiful defensive uh, save by Randy Nall. It'll be tossed back in by the Jackets. Greg Martin in short. Here's Sharp out of the corner. Boom! Right through the bottom. Third field basket for Justin Sharp. The press is slapped on again. It's hooked and bound. Picked off on the side to Schlomer to Fritz now. And Fritz will get it across the line. 16 to 10. The Jackets by six. Cooper to the right side of the alley. We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family. Still 25-22, Erlington by three. On the side to Nall, back to Cooper. He didn't get the shot away that time. It flipped back to Nall. Nall's going to fire, and he's got it. And Randy Nall, as the score goes 25-24. Loop down for the Hicks. Hicks up and under. Lays it up and in. He got it. It'll count. 
as Jimmy Hicks gets his first basket on the fast break. 27-24, Erlington by three. Inbounds to Nall, the big man. He goes with it to Fritz, to Cooper. Cooper under the basket. Heavy traffic underneath. Schlomer hits. George Schlomer gets his second field basket. Loops down floor to Greg Martin. Martin drives. Two on two. Top of the circle. Martin hits. Greg Martin gets his sixth field basket and a foul on Schlomer. And that's number three. That's part of the broadcast from WFMW out of Madisonville. 1967, the boys' Sweet 16 state championship game. Erlington had jumped out to a double-digit lead in the first half, but uh, started out cold in the third quarter. Covington Catholic came back, and as you could hear right there, it became a close game, and it was close at the wire, close at the end. You heard from a former Covington Catholic player earlier in the show in our last segment. That was Jim Cooper, who talked about the end of the game, of course, Erlington ended up winning it by one point on a last-second shot, a putback, but very dramatic getting to that finish. So let's listen to the final minutes of the game, and then we'll hear from the players talking about it. We'll pick it up. Erlington has a one-point lead. Covington Catholic has the ball. A timeout called. It's 50-49 to with 46 seconds left. Dale Overman is on the line. Inbounds it comes to Jimmy Cooper. Cooper across the 10-second line to the left side. In the corner to Fritz. Fritz is going to shoot, and he got it. The eighth field basket for Fritz. It's 51 to 50 in favor of Covington Catholic. Hooked across court to Arthur Johnson. He feeds it to Sharp. Sharp backs up, shoots, got it! Clock running, 23 seconds, 22 seconds. No press back here. Null across the line. He hangs on. He looks. Cooper with it. Cooper holds it over his head. Outside, Cooper's going to shoot. It's his way short. Up for the rebound goes Fritz. He got it. Timeout for Erlington with six seconds. It's 53 to 52 in favor of Covington Gatling. It's 53 to 52. There's six seconds on the clock. The Jackets have got to get it down floor and get it in a hurry. Six seconds left on the clock. And this point, Fritz has been the backbreaker. As far as Erlington is concerned, he's as cool as a cucumber. Little soft one-hand shot from about 12 feet, popped right through the bottom of the net. And so this boy, uh, Fritz, has hit the last three baskets to bring this ball club right off the floor as the Jackets, at one time, built to a three-point lead, went to a five, back to a three, back to a one. And now, Covington Catholic, by one point, leads it 53 to 52, and the Jackets have six seconds to get that ball down the floor and take a shot. Let's see what the strategy is going to be right here. As the Jackets are along the sideline, Coach Bobby Fox is down on the floor, and he's drawing a diagram for them. He's telling them right now what he wants them to do. But six seconds is not a very long time. Back up one-hand punch shot by Justin Sharp. Put the Jackets right back on top by one. And then Fritz comes back with two straight baskets on soft one-handers and puts the Colonels on top. It's 53-52. Time is going to be blown back in. Now let's see what the strategy is going to be. On the baseline goes Greg Martin. The clock will not start until the ball is inbound. It comes inside. Flip to Justin Sharp with six seconds. Sharp with a long shot. It's no good. Ball taken off. Hobson shoots. He got it. He got it. He got it. He got it. Erlington has won the ball game. Tyrone Hobson got it. Erlington has won the ball game. Listen to the roar of this crowd.
ladies and gentlemen, what a finish. A long shot, a 40-footer, was taken by Justin Sharp. The ball came banging off the board. Tyrone Hobson, right down the lane, grabbed that ball, one up, and caught her right through the net. As he is the boy, the fair-haired boy that uh, grabbed that ball off the floor, as the clock was down to one second, got it in the air, went right through the bottom of the hook, just as the horn went off, and the Arlington Yellow Jackets are the 1967 Kentucky State High School basketball champions. What a colossal finish. We thought they were gone, bud, because they had six seconds. That's not a lot of time, but they had the play worked out. And here is Justin Sharp. He has balanced himself up on. They're going to cut the net down here in Freedom Hall. The Arlington Yellow Jackets are the 1967 Kentucky State High School basketball champions. So that's how it ended, a dramatic finish with Erlington winning it by one on a last-second putback by Tyrone Hobson after the missed shot by Justin Sharp, a shot from just across the midcourt stripe on his end of the floor. And um, after the game, they talk with Justin Sharp, whom you heard from earlier in the show, but let's hear from Justin Sharp more than 50 years ago when he was a senior in high school. Since we're talking to Justin Sharp, and I guess, Justin, this is the greatest thrill of your life. Oh, yes, sir, it really is. Uh, let me ask you this, Justin. When you had six seconds left and you went, took the timeout and you went down behind the baseline and uh, Coach Fox got down and was diagramming, looked like from here some sort of a play, what did he tell you to do? Well, he uh, told me to set up on the high post up there and Jimmy over in the uh, left-handed corner for me to go. Uh, Jimmy come and set a screen on my man, let me roll out where he was and let me get the ball. Uh, then, but his man didn't go with him, so I went out where I was supposed to go, and then he still didn't move. I cut across the middle of the floor, and I was supposed to dribble to the high, high post up there and shoot a jump shot. And then I got up there, and Jimmy and Tyrone, in the meantime, were supposed to be on the east baseline. If I missed it, we both was all three of us tip for everything we had. And then the hop was right there, boy. Really Tyrone was right on the spot, what it really was. A hop really alive, boy. <laughs> Justin, thanks a million for talking to us. We're going to have uh, Coach Fox over here. I understand there's going to be a big motorcade when you get home tomorrow. Oh, yes, sir. I, I think everybody sir. in the county will meet you. I, I do, too. Yeah, I, I do hope so. Thanks for talking to us. That was Justin Sharp, who just uh, told us the play that was diagrammed down on the floor. So that was 18-year-old Justin Sharp, a senior in high school in 1967, just after Erlington had won the state basketball championship. He was describing that last play that was supposed to run. Let's hear from Justin Sharp today, more than 50 years later, as he describes how that last play was supposed to go. They, the guards, Hobson was supposed to bring it in, Martin was supposed to bring it down the floor, and Hicks and Tyrone were supposed to set a pick on my man, Joe Pritz. And I was supposed to come out, and I was supposed to get the ball around the free throw line and shoot it. Well, they hadn't double teamed their guards all night long. So I look up, and they are double teaming Greg down there. So I had to leave at the other end of the floor, run all the way down to the other end of the floor to the free throw line. That's when I got the ball. And so I'm thinking to myself, I need to shoot. Now, believe it or not, I said, I need to shoot with three seconds left. So if I miss, maybe we get a rebound or something to put it back in, right? <laughs> All right, so I, so I run down there and I get the ball. And so I'm counting 1,001, 1,002, and I was probably two steps beyond half court. And I shoot the ball and it hits the square. It comes down to Tyrone, gets it, puts it back in, and we beat them 54 53. So even then, the coach in you is knowing that you needed to get a shot off in time to get a rebound. 
that. <laughs> did you, when you threw it up, do you have any hopes, prayers, whatever, that it might go in? Well, I, I knew it was online, you know, because I, I, it hit, hit, hit the square. And uh, but I'm thankful that it didn't hit the rim because ain't no telling where it would have bounced. But he hit the backboard, he comes straight down, and Tyrone got and went back up, and we beat him 54-53. You should have gotten an assist for that one. I, I asked you, so the so guy said, we did give you assist. <laughs> so the play didn't go exactly as it was drawn up, but uh, they got the end result they were wanting, the follow shot and the goal to win the championship. That was Justin Sharp we just heard from. Justin scored eight of Erlington's final ten points, of course, the last two points coming off that follow shot by Tyrone Hobson. And we'll hear from him in just a moment. But for now, let's go back to the 1967 broadcast by WFMW out of Madisonville as they talked with head coach Bob Fox. Greatest day in the world, isn't it? Yes, sir, the greatest day in our lives. I just talked to uh, Justin Sharp, and he told me about the play being diagrammed, that it didn't just exactly work like you'd hoped. But uh, the end result was what you got. Right. It, he was supposed to hit the basket. But, <laughs> uh, I told Hicks to get on one side of that basket and Tyrone to get on the other. And if that thing came off there, that tip it in. And uh, it didn't, he didn't exactly tip it, but he got his hands on it good. And he just went up there and laid that thing right back in there. What did your heart stop when you looked up and saw that the time had gone out? You looked and saw the scoreboard. Uh, was there a doubt maybe that it had been a little late? Did it scare you half to death? Oh, I, I tell the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, Elmer. <laughs> I never doubted for one minute that what we're going to win this ball game. So I, help I, me God. I believe you're right. You uh, told me I, that before the ball game. I, I, uh, it looked dark. It looked dismal. <laughs> but I never did give up the faith, you know. <laughs> well, you stayed right in there, and uh, the greatest uh, prize that can come to uh, a high school basketball coach, I would say in the entire nation, because this is the greatest show on earth. This is the big one. So you're not only champions of Kentucky, I think of all 50 states. Well, Elmer, you know how I feel about Kentucky basketball, and uh, I, I, I just am thrilled to death. I'm thrilled for these boys. I'm thrilled to the fact that, that, that by hard work and by dedication that these things do pay off, that it's not just a bunch of, of men or that, that uh, somebody says all oh, uh, good guys never, never win. These are good boys. They're, they're good, clean, living kids, and they scrap it three hours every day of their life, and this is the end result right here tonight. You know, we were talking about two or three weeks ago before the district tournament started, and that seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. You remember you told me that this was the most unselfish basketball team you'd ever seen in your life, and uh, sometimes, uh, I know a couple of times in this ball game, being so unselfish actually cost you four points. It actually it? did. There's no question about it. Two or three times, passes were made, and if they had gone on and converted the thing, uh, we would have had the points, you know. But looking for that other guy that might have the least little bit better shot than they did, it, it really cost us a little bit tonight, but I'll take that kind of cost any time. Wouldn't you, though? <laughs> Elmer, would you let me do something personal here? I'd be glad to. You know, my mother is uh, sitting at home right now, and uh, she couldn't come up here to this ball game. and I want to just say this. Uh, uh, for what little success I've had in this world, Mom, I owe it all to you and my dad and my family. I, mean, I couldn't think of any better way to say it. Thanks a million. Coach of the Year, Bob Fox. All right, so we've heard from Justin Sharp, and we heard from head coach Bob Fox. That uh, last interview, of course, from the right after the game back in 1967. 
What about the player who hit the shot, Tyrone Hobson? I spoke with him on the phone about that big night. Well, you know, you did what every little kid dreams of, and that's hitting a last-second shot in a championship game. That's right. It's, uh, it, I, I never get to live it down. Every, every other day, somebody mentioned it, uh, got something to say about it. People still remember it. That was going to be my next question. How often are you asked about it? Literally every other day, that often? Yeah, I, uh, I'm working at the out here the Warriors Mine. I do I do the cleanup out here, and a lot of a lot of old school still working, and they they remember remember that that day. Do you remember that play? Everything that happened as vividly as if it happened yesterday. Oh yeah, way way uh, Bob Fox drew it up, shot. He's supposed to took the shot, but we weren't planning on him missing. <laughs> so uh, he wanted everybody. If he said, "If it come off, uh, wanted everybody to crash the boards," and that would happen. I went up between three players, offensive players and, and defensive players, and got the ball, got the rebound, and went back. And the first thing I did, look at the referee, and he counted. That's all I needed to see. <laughs> Yeah. What was the feeling like after that ball went in? Oh man, it was it was ecstatic. I mean, I was glad to get to the restroom because they they about beat me to death. <laughs> Tyrone's wife was with him, so I asked her about her husband and his legendary status there in Erlington. Does he brag about that shot all the time? No, he's very humble and modest. Um, I can tell that when he speaks on it or when he's recognized to be the Tyrone Hobson that made the winning shot, he sticks his chest out. (laughs) And it, it really makes him smile, you know. By the way, just a couple of years ago, a mural was painted in Erlington depicting Tyrone Hobson hitting that last second shot to win that championship in 1967. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the celebration. What was the town like when they got back from the Sweet 16 from Freedom Hall in Louisville? That's what we'll look at in just a moment. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. 
roar of the crowd as it was heard over WFMW radio in Madisonville on that night, March 1967. So what was it like for this team when it returned home? What was the celebration like? You know, a small school from a small community in rural Kentucky, rural Hopkins County. So I asked a couple of players about the return home. They remember it vividly. Let's start with Jim Hicks. Again, he was a member of the all-tournament team. I don't know if you know anything about Hopkins County, but when you're coming from Central City to Arlington, you're on the four lane. And uh, start the state police barracks all the way from there to Massville, which was about, I'm just guessing, seven or eight miles. I was on the back of the fire truck, and I stood up and looked behind me, and, of course, we was leading, and all you could see was cars. And I guess nobody ever, if it was ever car in Arlington, it wouldn't have been near enough cars because we got off at the Madisonville exit, went through Main Street, which is old 41, all the way to Arlington, and there was people lined up on the side of the road hooping and hollering, waving at us and stuff like that. I mean, it was really just for us old country boys, it was really a, a thrill. <laughs> and, and, but, and then after we got to the school, there was a multitude of people there, and uh, there was people running around getting autographs and stuff like that. And, and Anyway, it, it was just mind-boggling for us. Also remembering the homecoming quite well is Tyrone Hobson, the young man who hit that last second shot to give him the one-point win. By the time we got to uh, Nortonville, which is about three miles from Erlson, uh they had a fire department. They had all, just had a parade bringing us to Arlington. We was in a flatbed truck. At the trophy, and uh, they escorted us to Arlington. That was a celebration. That celebration nearly 54 years ago when Arlington won the 1967 Boys Sweet 16. I chose to do the show on this team because, as I mentioned at the top, this is the last school to win the Boys Sweet 16 of schools that no longer exist. Every school from 1968 to the present day. All are still in existence, schools that won the Sweet 16. Erlington, 1967, the last one to win it, that's now closed due to consolidation, and they closed in the mid-1970s. Some other significant, or I guess uh, schools of note that uh, no longer exist that won the Sweet 16, I can't name them all, so I, I figure I'll start with 1948 because there's significance to that team. Brewers was out of Marshall County in western Kentucky, 1948, they went undefeated, and they are the last undefeated team to win the Boys' Sweet 16. Ashland could have done it last year. They were undefeated going into the Sweet 16, but as you know, COVID canceled the tournament. They finished the year undefeated, 
but weren't able to win a state championship because of the tournament being canceled. So Brewers, again, 1948, the last boys team to win the Sweet 16 while going undefeated. So that school obviously is closed. Other schools of note, small schools that won the tournament that are now closed since then, since 1948, 1952, Cuba from Graves County there in far western Kentucky. A very popular school in that tournament, the underdog, and um, they won it in 1952. 1954, Inez High School out of Martin County in eastern Kentucky. Then four years later, or I'm sorry, two years later, 1956, Car Creek wins it out of Knott County, the mountains of southeastern Kentucky. And some say the 1956 tournament was the best Sweet 16 ever. Great tournament, close games. Car Creek wins it, little bitty Car Creek. And along the way, they knocked off Wayland, which featured King Kelly Coleman. So that was 56. Then we move on to 1959, North Marshall from Marshall County wins it. 1960, it was Flagey out of Louisville. Again, all these are schools that no longer exist. Then the next one to win it that no longer exists, and the last one to do so, Erlington in 1967. So as we wrap up this show, let's go back to WFMW's broadcast, WFMW out of Madisonville, Kentucky, and their broadcast, the final minutes of that championship game in 1967. Six seconds left on the clock as the Jackets... At one time, built to a three-point lead, went to a five, back to a three, back to a one. And now, Dovington Catholic, by one point, leads it 53 to 52. And the Jackets have six seconds to get that ball down the floor and take a shot. Let's see what the strategy is going to be right here. As the Jackets are along the sideline, Coach Bobby Fox is down on the floor. And he's drawing a diagram for them. He's telling them right now what he wants them to do. But six seconds is not a very long time. It's 53-52. Time is going to be blown back in. Now let's see what the strategy is going to be. On the baseline goes Greg Martin. The clock will not start until the ball is inbounds. It comes inside. Flip to Justin Sharp with six seconds. Sharp with a long shot. It's no good. Ball taken off. Thompson shoots. He got it. He got it. He got it. He got it. Erlington has won the ball game. Tyrone Hobson got it. Erlington has won the ball game. Listen to the roar of this crowd. And gentlemen, what a finish. A long shot, a 40-footer, was taken by Justin Sharp. The ball came banging off the board. Tyrone Hobson right down the lane, grabbed that ball, one up, and caught her right through the net. As he is the boy, the fair-haired boy that uh, grabbed that ball off the floor, as the clock was down to one second, got it in the air, went right through the bottom of the hook, just as the horn went off, and the Errington Yellow Jackets are the 1967 Kentucky State High School basketball champions. What a colossal finish. We thought they were gone, bud, because they had six seconds. That's not a lot of time, but they had the play worked out. And here is Justin Sharp. He has balanced himself up on. They're going to cut the net down here in Freedom Hall. The Errington Yellow Jackets are the 1967 Kentucky State High School basketball champions. Coming up on the 54th anniversary of that basketball championship, as you heard the final minutes there on WFMW Radio out of Madisonville. Erlington High School closed in, 19, in the mid-1970s due to consolidation. 
the last school that no longer exists, won the Boys Sweet 16, that happened back in 1967. My thanks to the former players for talking with me for this show. I appreciate their time and their insight. do want to mention I had hoped to talk to Bob Fox, who was the head coach of that team, but he passed away back in April of 2015, so he's no longer with us. Been gone now, coming up on six years. But many of the players talked about him. What a great coach he was. What a great mentor. How much they appreciate him. That'll do it for the show this week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I appreciate that. I'll be back next week with another show. Until then, I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.